Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. We welcome you to join us in a study of God's Word today. We are in the uh, second week, the first Sunday. It's after Easter. This is Easter season. We still have the lilies out. We still have our Easter decoration. We'll have that for a while. We are still in a season of celebrating the resurrection of, of Jesus and uh, what that means for us. And we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks in the book of First Peter. Uh, it, it was a letter that Peter wrote, uh, a message he had for the Christians who were scattered around. Uh, they were known as, uh, he, he calls them exiles in the first couple verses. Written to those who are exiled, scattered, dispersed throughout, uh, throughout the region. And uh, he writes this to them to talk to them about, okay, how do we live out our faith? We, we are living out the testimony that Christ is risen. It makes a difference in our life. But he, he recognizes that where they are scattered and they are all over the Roman Empire, that the, the Christians are not being received well, uh, that uh, the world is not favorable to Christianity. And uh, uh, they are living in a time when... Um, their faith, where they used to be a lot more comfortable in it, there is a lot more animosity towards it. And so, whenever we find ourselves wondering also, oh, is our world one in which Christianity is, is no longer as, as accepted as it used to be and how things are changing, I want you to know that this has also been the experience of the church as well. And so, Peter uh, his words in this letter is written to precisely those people wondering, how do I live out my faith? Particularly when the world is, um, uh, is not always receptive to who we are and what we are about. Peter starts off this letter by uh, introducing himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter is so much more than that. Jesus says to Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you. He calls him. He says, I'm going to change your name. Or, or he, he gives him the name Peter. He says, I'm going to call you the rock because on that foundation, I am going to build up my church. Yes, before Dwayne Johnson was ever born, Peter was the original rock. Or as the kids these days say, the OG rock. <laughs> and so this is, this is who he is. He is the head. He is the disciple of great renown. He's one of the ones who's running to the tomb. He is, he, he's the one who uh, has, with Paul, a huge influence in the book of Acts about how the gospel is spreading. They'll have some disagreements and go different ways, but he is absolutely influential to the church. He is, to this day, the apostle whom the Catholic Church still likes to trace uh, their uh, their own line of succession to. I mean, he has always had this great place in the church. But in this letter, he writes to the church, and he just introduces himself, I'm just an apostle. That's it. That's all he says. Usually in a letter in this time, the person writing the letter is going to give all of their titles, who they are. This is why what I'm saying is important. 
Here it is. Uh, the, the Caesar, for instance, if he, wrote his, if he would have wrote, written his title, he would have had all six names of his name, that indicate who he is, which Caesar is related to, all his different titles and everything like that. We want you to know who I am. This week I was um, working also as a, uh, as a chaplain, and uh, they were going to get me some business cards for when I'm, when I'm out and about doing that work. And they asked me, they said, oh, how many letters in your name? Uh, how many letters at the end or beginning of your name? Let me know. Because a lot of times people put, oh, PhD, or doctor, or uh, in the field of ministry, a uh, doctor of ministry, D, D, men, and uh, different kinds of letters. What letters do you want? What ways do you want people to know various titles or honorifics that you have? And I just said, just put REV at the beginning. <laughs> like, that's fine. But, uh, but like, that, that's, that's part of it, is we want people to know who, who are you? What do you have? Peter just says, Apostle of Jesus Christ. But when he writes to the church, and he says, hey, I'm writing to the exiles, I'm writing to the church, he has a lot more to say about who they are. He has a lot of titles for who they are. He starts to say things like, you are destined by God. You are sanctified by the Spirit. You are obedient to Jesus Christ. You are sprinkled with His blood. Peter has taken a page from Jesus and he has learned to see the honor in those to whom he is serving. And it, it's so great to hear because originally we heard uh, 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 in, in the story leading up to his uh, crucifixion that, that part of that experience was when Jesus gathered with the disciples and he washes their feet. And Peter's like, you can't wash my feet. What are you doing? You don't get to do that. Why are you washing our feet? We should be washing yours. But Jesus showed them that we are called as followers of Jesus Christ to wash feet, to serve others. And in this letter, all the praise, all the honorifics, all the, all the glory is going to the recipients. Peter, despite him being an apostle, he could have said, I am the rock, the church was built upon me, I'm the primary apostle, I'm the one everyone else should be going to. I, he says, he could have said all number of things. I'm one of the first ones he got, he, that got called. He could have said all kinds of things, just kind of lift himself up to say who he was. But he says to the church that's scattered, the church that's struggling, the church that's wandering, he says, God has a plan for you. God's Holy Spirit is at work in your life. You've been obedient and God's blood has redeemed you. He says, this is who you are and I am serving you. And so that kind of colors everything we're going to... I know I haven't even read the scripture yet. But that colors everything we're going to read here. Because some of the, sometimes in here he's going to say, hey, this is how I think you should live. But he's not coming as someone as an authority He's coming as someone saying, you have all the blessings and this is what God's Holy Spirit is going to enable you to do to live faithfully. And the, and the church at this time is struggling. They, I, I think we often uh, like to not think about Christianity as a time of, of struggle or having those moments. But that is indeed the case for the church as, as Rome is becoming more and more adverse to Christianity and persecuting them and, and doing everything from taking away land to destroying property to, to making life difficult for them. They are struggling through their faith and wondering how do we live this out. And I think oftentimes when we think about how we live or how we conduct ourselves, we like to imagine ourselves as, as people who are never in the midst of struggle. 
We don't need to ask for help. We don't admit weakness. We can take care of things on our own. That strength is often seen as a sign of blessing, even. And I think sometimes that thought is reinforced by things like Job's friends or Pharisees asking questions like, how is this man blind from birth? Because if there's weakness, there's something wrong. But Peter has a different word for them. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy He has given us a new birth, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Even if now for a little while you've had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Uh, I think I might have read just a couple verses longer than anticipated. But this, this passage, he begins by saying, Blessed be to God, He's given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, new birth always means new life. I can be a new Person, There's something wonderful and new here. We have developed some great, wonderful technologies when it comes to birth. We can take like, like a screenshot, it seems, this wonderful, glorious picture of how the baby is developing. And if, and if it's one of those uh, uh, newborns that's going to be born with hair, you can, it's so detailed you can see the hair. It's nothing like when we had our oldest child. That, it was static. It was like, uh, like, like, not only does that date me in terms of what the ultrasound looked like, because like, TV doesn't even have static anymore. <laughs> but it was, it was just black and white pixels. And so, uh, and it was just like, wait, what is this? Oh, that's a shape? Okay, let's try to figure that out. But now, like, it is so, it's like taking a snapshot. It's so good. And, and you can, of course, hear the heartbeats very clearly with, uh, with the sound devices they have. And there's so many things that go into, like, estimating already before the child is born. Oh, it's probably this long right now. Like, it is so detailed. But there's still one thing everyone looks towards with the new birth. Every single time, from now, despite all that technology, it tells us how healthy, the shape, the look of the baby, to even uh, to what it was thousands of years ago. There's one thing we all look for. When the baby's born, we look and hear for that cry. 
that cry that says breath has entered in and the baby is alive. That new birth signifies new life. And crying out shows that indeed there is new life. And he says to us here, there is a new birth. There's a new kind of moment where we can cry out and realize that Christ is at work and he is living in us. In fact, this new birth, he says, is into a living hope. We aren't just born again for someday in the future. We don't just say, okay, I believe in God now so that someday everything will be all right. It is not just a future promise. It is that too, but we are living in the hope of the resurrection today. The new birth given by the resurrection of Jesus is a living hope. So as we are living our lives now, there is hope for what Christ is doing in our life. Which means there's freedom from sin today. There is equipping for how we live our life today. There's an illustration that has kind of helped me think about this again and again. That uh, in life, before before we give ourselves to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I believe and I want to follow you, we are following our own way. We are going our own direction, if you will. And so we, we say, this is... You know, I know what I'm doing in life. I know what my plans are. Maybe those plans are, are okay and we're, everything's, you know, we're, you know, we're still nice. We're still good people, all that kind of stuff. But I, I have my plans. I have my ideas. But maybe at some point in time we say, okay, but I wonder what God could do with this. Or maybe we've gone our own way for so long we've realized we messed up. And we've realized we, we, made, we made a mess out of it. And so we okay, God, I need your help to kind of fix this. And that kind of turning towards God and saying, okay, God, I want to follow you and see how you are going to continue to bless and work in this life that you've given me, and this breath that you've given me. And that kind of turning from I'm living towards myself to now I'm living for God uh, is a word that traditionally in the Old Testament, that was the word used for repent. It's I've turned. I've turned from one way, living for myself, to living for God. I've made that shift. But I found along the way, when we first make that shift, say, okay, I believe in Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. I I at least want to be obedient to Jesus as Peter uh, uh, complimented the church about. Okay. But along the way, we still find ourselves, I don't know. I remember how things used to be. (laughs) That kind of looking back, that kind of weighted down of the old way of life or the consequences of that old way of life that still kind of affect and infect a faithful life. When I was a kid, I used to, um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be able to jump higher. You ever have dreams of just, just, you know, being a little bit more athletic than you were? I was six foot two, and I couldn't dunk the ball on a basketball hoop. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm taller than everyone else I play with. Why can't I jump? And it was ridiculous. And then I was getting into volleyball, and I was like, oh, I need to be able to get higher in the net. And so for, for a couple months, I started wearing weights, around my ankles every time I went on the court. I'd put these like weights around them and, and uh, do that. And, and I remember one time going out, there's this basketball hoop right outside behind our house. And I would, I would go there and play and other neighborhood kids would play. And I remember this one day, I'm playing with some kids and uh, they are, you know, they're my age, whatever. And, and just like me, when it comes to basketball, 
Uh, we weren't very good. <laughs> weren't very good at all. And uh, my, you can ask any of my friends from my child. No, he's not great at basketball, but he can hustle. He can do that. He, so so we'll, we'll take him on our team. And so that, that, that was it. They were very nice to me. But anyway, we were playing, and I could tell that they're just as not good as I am. And so, and so the only problem is when I had weights on my ankles, I lost all my hustle. <laughs> I couldn't run as fast. I couldn't keep up with them. So finally, when I got tired of their trash truck, I'm like, all right, now I've got to take these off. And, and it made, of course, the rest of the game a whole lot easier. But, like, but I found in, in the illustration what happens is, you know, those weights kept me lower to the ground. Every jump was so much harder. Every run was so much harder. And so many times, too, in our walk of faith, when we're like, okay, I'm going to follow God, we realize sometimes there's still like weights holding us back or dragging us back to that old way of life. And in the walk of faith... We should find ourselves again and again saying, okay, God, I recognize where this weight is. I recognize what's holding me back. I recognize what's, what's keeping me from fully committing and leaning in towards you. That, that keeps tempting me to go back to the old way of life. And to pray for God to help loosen and remove those weights. Or in the words of Hebrews, to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily Entangles, so that we can indeed live life fully committed, turn towards God, not turning back at all towards the old way. In the Church of the Nazarene, we call that giving all of ourselves to God. We call that the moment of sanctification. We call that holiness living. So we are a living hope, Peter says, equipped by the Holy Spirit to live into the future. God has for us. And he says that is our inheritance. And that inheritance is imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and we are protected today. And that was huge for the church to hear. Because when the church is being persecuted in the first century, when the Roman Caesar says, you know what, I'm getting tired of the fact that they're not going to declare me Lord, that they're talking about some guy, I, uh, my forebears crucified as Lord and they're not going to worship me as son of God and they're worshiping him as a son of God. I'm like tired of this. We're going to get rid of those Christians and we're going to, we're going to burn their homes down and we're going to make sure they don't get the property they, they, their parents had. We're going to claim it instead. And so they're realizing our inheritance is gone. Our, our property is at risk. Everything is being defiled and destroyed and everything is at risk right now. And Peter says to this church who's struggling with, what do we do with this faith? Do we stay with this during these kind of hard times? And he says to them, there is an inheritance that cannot be defiled. There is an inheritance that will not fade away. There is an inheritance that is not imperishable, and God is keeping it safe. And there is no one who can touch that. And that inheritance is tied to the experience of Jesus Christ and the promise of resurrection and the glory of living with our Heavenly Father forever and ever. And we do rejoice that there is that future. And we also rejoice because that means there is assistance for how we live today. And that there is real deliverance and there is real promise and future. And promise and presence of God right now, even when there's trials. And so he says, and in this you can rejoice, even though now 
for a little bit, you are dealing with all kinds of trials. This word trials uh, is the same word, the Greek word here. It can mean trials, it can mean temptations, it can mean you know, that which we face that gets in the way of our faith. It's the same exact word used in the Lord's Prayer for temptation. When we pray, lead us not into temptation... Though we've had to suffer these kinds of temptations, these kinds of trials, these kinds of testings, it seems, we know that these things happen. It's why we pray. (laughs) Don't lead us into it. We want to avoid this as much as possible. We know that there are temptations. We know that there are trials. And I think sometimes it can be easy to talk about the path to holiness in the abstract. Oh, this is how I used to live. This is how I'm living now. But we, in reality, we know what that looks like. I mean, people cut us off on the road and we lose it. Or we get hangry. Never me, right? Or or, or we get sick. Or there's stress or there's struggles that cause us to make poor decisions. Sometimes decisions that hurt other people. We we realize that there's these, these moments that we say, oh, that's not what I intended. I know that's not what God wanted for me. How do I move forward from this? Or it's, I can't believe God's letting this person do this to me. In particular, the church this time was facing those kinds of trials that risked their future, that led to their persecution, and shook any sense of security that they might have. And those trials, God didn't give them to say, well, you know what, I'm going to make you stronger. You're going, to be, uh, you're going to come out better because of it, so that's why I'm letting you have this. It's not because God wanted them to have those trials. When Peter talks about these happening so that you'll be refined, it's a way of saying, in these moments, God is with you to make you better. God doesn't hand you the moments to make you stronger. God works with you despite those moments to make you stronger. It's like when you hear, um, uh, when you hear a press conference of an athlete who talks about the audience booing him, and that only spurs him on more, and then he hits the home run because you know he, the, the, the home team was booing him or something like that. Oh, I do better when, when people make me angry or something like that. Or, or, or someone who says, I heard an elderly comedian this week. Um, I love watching comedies. He said, you know, um, I would if I could, of course, have that younger body that I had way back in the day, but I would not trade... My elderly wisdom for that youthful body. What he was saying was a lot of his poor youthful decisions and a lot of our poor youthful decisions have created the wisdom that we have today. And, and we may hope that we didn't have to deal with all kinds of number of things. And, uh, but we recognize that growth happens through all of that. That despite that, we become something more. And hopefully, by the grace of God, we recognize that we have grown. And perhaps we have been able to help others. And so when Peter speaks about a refining fire in the midst of, of trials, it's not to justify the trials, The refining fire is to give us hope that God is with us in the midst of the trials to help create something better and longer lasting in our life and in the lives of those around us. That we indeed can come out stronger based on whatever the world might bring. We don't hope for those moments. Indeed, we pray, God, lead us away from those. But we do recognize that like Jesus... 
when we're called to go to Jerusalem, when we're called to go to the place where there's going to be challenge, that God's resurrecting power goes with us. This is what Peter means when he speaks about the trials and the refining process. The resurrecting power of Christ gives us that living hope. And so, he says, you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, a salvation that has implications for who we are today. And so, I read 1 Peter chapter 1, and I just want to say today that wherever we are, watching or here today, wherever we are, what we know we are dealing with or going through, or, we're, or in our walk of faith, if we find ourselves there like, man, I have so much weights keeping me down that, man, I'd be going so much faster towards God, but I'm still, you know, got my eyes fixed on some things that have nothing to do with God. I want you to know that God offers release. He offers forgiveness, and He offers freedom. And that happens through constant prayer. That, I mean, that, that is, it, it, it happens through attending to the means of grace, the way in which we receive God's grace, worshiping together, praying together, reading Scripture together. But I want to say prayer is the primary way in which we direct ourselves to God. We say, okay, God, I realize I have this weight I need taken off. Will you help? I have this sin that I'm dealing with. I need your help. I have this trial that's come my way. I need your help. It's been difficult today, but I I just want to have my eyes focused on you and and, and loving you and those whom you put in my life. How do I do that in the midst of this trial or that temptation or this issue? And we pray day in and day out for that and find, indeed, God does remove those weights. He does root out those sins and helps us, indeed, and refines us to be the kind of people He wants us to be. It's why... uh, it's why when the Church of the Nazarene put out a call and said, you know what, we want to move forward in prayer again. I was like, okay, let's do this. All right, we did this last year, but okay, we're going to do this. Because what I found is it's in the practice of prayers again and again that we often find the strength to get through whatever is happening. And it's precisely in the practice of prayer that we realize that God is doing the refining. I know we're used to, uh, if we need something, if we want something, we can get it, right? You know, you just go on Amazon, all right, it's, it's delivered, it'll probably be here in three days. And so, like, we, we know that we are, we are used to, if we want, we can get what we want. And, the, and I have found the older we get, the more, like, you know, uh, if you need something, you just go out and get it. Uh, like, Christmas time for my parents is terrible, they have everything they need. They don't need anything because if they needed it, they just went out and got it. I don't know what to do for them. And um, I mean, it's harder and harder to, to shop for, for spouses too, right? Well, if we needed it, we got it. And so we're so used to that that I think sometimes even in our prayer life, we say, okay, God, I need this. And it's like, okay, now what? Now what? It's, it's, like, it's like the post-COVID delivery system. All right, any day now, it should get delivered. <laughs> and any day now, it should come. And we have to wait, and we have to wait, and we don't like that. But I have found in, our, um, in faith that sometimes the act of praying again and again in the midst of whatever is happening is part of the refining process. It's part of the work of God uh, strengthening us and allowing us to grow in Him helps us indeed to recognize that God is with us in the midst of that and then as we are helping those around us 
to help them see the same thing. To find indeed that there can still be peace and there can still be hope in the midst of those kinds of things. God is at work with us precisely in prayer. And so uh, we have entered into a season where I've invited you to join with 500,000 other Nazarenes and praying every day. And whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life and in our communities. And uh, the good news is, when we're, if we're ever at a part in our life or in our faith, whether it's a new faith or just like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what I'm saying. I, I haven't entered into that kind of practice. I don't know what I'm doing. If I'm not praying the Lord's Prayer, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, or maybe we, 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 we have prayed, but we're at a part in our life where we're just like, I don't know, it got, it got hard for some reason. It's just, it's just a hard season to do that. One of the things I like about the prayer journals that we hand out is it, 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 it gives in each page like a two-sentence prayer. It gives you the words that you might need to help either learn to pray or to pray again. And all that in the context of just a scripture or two to think about. And so I invite you to, of course, join with us in that and see what the Holy Spirit is going to continue to do to help us live in the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who continues to work to raise and refine His people today to help us live in the glory of God. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for today. Thank you for this Easter season. A time where we are remembering again and again, you continue to breathe life into your creation. And so, Lord, today I am praying for, um, I'm praying for those whom we know and love who do not know you. For whom your grace is still at work, but they haven't received that yet. Lord, I'm praying that they will make that turn. That they'll make that shift. That they will repent and say, okay. Okay, Lord, you've got a better plan than I've got. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who have made that turn. I pray for those who who are still struggling and saying, there's a lot going on right now. Could just make make me throw up my hands and say, I don't know. I I don't know it's possible. I don't know if I can continue. Lord, I'm praying for your strength and your guidance right now. Praying for your help. Praying that you would help remove those burdens and those weights that hold us back. And Heavenly Father, I'm praying for a church that has been refined. I'm praying for people who have said, yeah, I've been through some things. And God's seen me through it. And Lord, I'm praying that we learn from their strength. We learn from um, their witness. And I thank you so much that you are the God who is never finished with us and is always there. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us indeed to be the church Peter said that we were, obedient to Jesus Christ, sanctified by its Spirit. Heavenly Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God bless you abundantly as you serve him today.